You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop, the show that's a little bit of everything with a K-Pop twist. Visit 17karatkpop.weebly.com for more information about the show. That's 17-C-A-R-A-T-K-P-O-P.weebly.com. Enjoy the show! Hello everybody and welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop. This week on the show... There's so much to get to, so I split it up into two episodes, as I tend to do when there's a lot to cover in a week. So in this episode, we are going to be talking about Wanho solo debut, the Dynamite teaser videos, the Super M track list that was revealed for their first full-length album, talk about some other headlines in the world of K-pop, talking about everything from Island to Big Hero 6 to wedding updates to Big Hit's corporate briefing and the rundown of what happened at that briefing and what was revealed to look forward to. Got to talk about Taiwan having the first 10,000-person arena concert since the pandemic happened and what the results of that arena concert were, as well as some updates about other digital concerts coming your way soon. And my main topic to get to is going to be about the fan-idol relationship over time because I've noticed a very interesting trend in how that relationship is playing out these days that I want to get into. And I'll explain more in a minute. But also, first, I just want to make sure that you all know that if I don't talk about something that seems super relevant to the K-pop world these days in this episode, don't think, what the heck, why didn't you talk about it? Check out the other episode, because I split up the headlines and other news coverage, so it's half and half. So half of it will be in this episode, the other... Uh, half of today's latest breaking K-pop news is in the other episode, so bear with me here if your favorite story is in the other episode. The other episode is going to talk all about my favorite K-pop girl groups and some cool concepts and videos in my... It's basically a music video theory episode that I usually designate for one specific group, but I'm just combining a ton of them because I want to recognize all of them this week because it's super relevant right now. It's uh, you'll, I'll explain everything in the other episode, but just this is just a preview of what to expect. And as for my recommendations of the week, first of all, my action of the week is please check out this new website and organization. They go by 19, the 19th, and if you go to 19th News, that's 19thnews.org, you can check out their work. It's really great so far. It covers basically a history in the, in the future, past, present, and future, of what, what uh, basically the intersectional issues that, it, that women face today when it comes to the vote and when it comes to reflecting on this centennial of women's suffrage, but what that really means and how it's only really a special celebration of women's suffrage if you're a white woman because there are all these other barriers in place for many more years after women were given the right to vote in the USA. It, it, it really goes into all that history, and the 19th basically is this new news organization whose goal is to really tell history in a way that's not whitewashed, in a way, in a way that really acknowledges who has been left behind throughout history, and some icons of color who you may not have heard of, but who really helped champion, champion so many so many causes over time that basically the fight for women's rights needs to be remembered as more inclusive and diverse perspectives need to be honored and remembered. So that's the mission ultimately of the 19th, which has this logo that has an asterisk by the 19, 
And the asterisk by the number is to symbolize the fact that, well, the 19th Amendment did give women the right to vote, but only some women, and here's why. And it breaks all of that down. So I encourage you to support this new organization. Uh, you can donate on their website. You can also become a regular member making donations, sign up for newsletter alerts, all of that. So please check that out and reflect on their writings this week. And as for my K-pop related recommendations, this whole episode basically is my recommendation. I know that sounds like a cop-out, but just trust me, I have so many uh, more under-the-radar artists that I want to talk about, as well as the big-time artists this week. So just hear these episodes and you'll get a ton of recommendations for music to check out this weekend if you haven't already, or music that you want to revisit once I remind you how great it is. So... Let's get right into it. We need to talk about Dynamite. The BTS music video teasers are here, and as of recording time, it is the day before the full video release, so I don't have my full reaction yet, so stay tuned for next week. But for now, the teasers have already got me feeling a lot of things, so let's let's discuss. Alright, a few key thoughts that came into my head when I first saw it was this is very Boy With Love vibes, but in a in a great way. Uh, I mean in the best way possible. Very just fun, very ready for summer, ready for the moment, you know? I want, I'm not in the mood for super moody music these days, I want something light and fun, and so this fits the moment as they tend to do because they're just being their authentic selves when they make their music, so really excited. Just sound-wise, it sounds like my kind of bop for right now. Also, we need to talk about Taehyun's hair and suit. I mean, that look, I just really hope that stays throughout this era, uh, this new music era they're embarking on, because, I mean, did you see it? So, and, and really, I also, the other thing I noticed is just that they, I think this is, the video is going to be one of those that you have to not just re-watch because you like it, but re-watch to really press and pause and play, pause and play a bunch of times and scrutinize every second, even more than normal for a BTS video because even in just the teaser alone, I caught these little Easter eggs and little tribute moments to other idols. So I really think the video is probably going to be chock full of even more references and go for that whole disco nostalgia feel. And so I just, I'm very excited to watch the full video and really break down even more references because already we've seen like the Michael Jackson leg kick iconic dance move that they did. We see all the other iconic poses that reference former musicians. There's the Beatles poster on the wall behind Jungkook at one point. So already the, you can tell this is going to be a pop culture nostalgia trip and I'm very excited to take that trip especially when 2020 is such a rough year let's uh mentally go to the past please I they're meeting the moment with this comeback already I can tell so very exciting and side note congrats because they already broke a record with this dynamite um so it was a very aptly named song they now have the fastest music video teaser in YouTube's history to reach 10 million views it only took them four hours and 20 minutes, less than four and a half hours, and they broke a YouTube record. We love to see it. All right, the what? Now let's let's talk a little about Wanho's losing you comeback. So, Wanho, previously from Monster X, has gone solo, and his first solo release is here before the full album comes out. He his pre-release single is "Losing You," which has a music video with it and everything, and. I am just, 
I am so, I know I just finished saying that I want something light and happy these days and not something emotional, but I love this song, so I guess I take that back somewhat. It is really, I'm so, I don't know, I was very, as you know if you're a long-time listener, very torn up when he left Monster X, really wanted to cut him to come back and help, you know, try to campaign for him to come back, and did not want to see him go on his own, um, but... I so I I guess I can't I guess part of me wants to say I'm surprised that I like his solo music so much but part of me is of course not surprised that I do so I don't know how to feel about it yet it's just got me emotional I guess that's the point it's a really great song and I guess I was just surprised how well he's suited to perform a ballad of sorts because we think of Monster X as of course so action packed and high energy that's their whole vibe of their music is very in your face in the best way but for him to be able to switch gears completely for this ballad and make it work it's just very i'm just impressed i'm impressed with his uh range that he's showing and showing this new side of himself as a soloist so i'm just i'm very happy for him it's of course bittersweet to watch uh, a band member do their thing solo wise but um it's a great it's just a really beautiful song and a beautiful comeback so far and I am happy for him as as a frustrating as it can be sometimes when he's not there um and when, especially when I read articles and it says like the six piece band or something whenever the word six is in the description of Monster X in a profile or something it just still gets to me it's like well it, it's seven forever come on people but I digress all right and as for Super M, the next big reaction I have to share. With 100, okay, so my thoughts are the best song ever is still I Can't Stay in the Rain. And if you don't agree, I Can't Stay in Your Opinion. And Jopping is still better than 100, but 100 I really like as well. And I think if, that's, if 100 is a teaser of the sound we can expect from their full album, then I'm going to love this album. And so I'm really excited looking at the track list. So he, in case you missed it, their album will be called Super One, and the track list goes as follows. It will start with One, which is a mashup of two other songs on the album, Infinity and Monster, which will then proceed the track. So it starts with the One, the song One, which is a mashup, and then Infinity on its own, then Monster on its own. Track Four, Wish You Were Here, then Big Chance, 100, Tiger Inside, Better Days, Together at Home, Drip, Line em Up, Dangerous Woman, Step Up, So Long, and it ends with With You. So, quite a mix of songs we already heard them perform live versions of, and now we just get the studio versions, and just brand new releases we haven't heard any of yet. So, quite an exciting mix, sound-wise. So, I'm, yeah, the track list I'm very satisfied with. I really wanted to make sure that Dangerous Woman was on there. So that was my main thing. Although I would have loved to see Kai Solo or Taeyeon Solo GTA be on there. Um, so I guess we'll still have to wait for that. I really hope they get to release those soon. I know Kai's been talking lately about getting to finally have a solo debut. But um, I would love for... That to happen sooner rather than later, I'm getting impatient. So, anyway, those are my thoughts about that. And as for the music video, I really like it. And I also... So, my thing with it is that I really like the video, um, but 
some of their outfits I don't care for. So my honest opinion is like some of the looks in the video I love, 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 and some I really don't. I have very strong opinions about the what the stylist chose for that video. So like Taeyeon's, uh, the the eyeliner look with the gold glitter in the middle, like that is everything we love. And of course the, the anime character-esque uh, half red hair, like we love. But then there are some looks like uh, like uh, the tar, like it looks like a Target employee wore that leather jacket, the red leather and stuff, and like so, like some of their looks, it's like in the white suit that they they dress Taemin in with the white hat and stuff. Not a fan of that look, um, but that's just me being a critical stylist. <laughs> just giving you my honest reaction. My first reaction was, uh, it's not a great marketing strategy to look like a Target employee, but that was just my blunt opinion. But I do love the. Uh, I do love the video and stuff, don't get me wrong, I'm just also going to be totally honest with my reviews of things on here. <laughs> Alright, let's talk about some other headlines in the world of K-pop today. So, Wendy we finally have gotten to see. If you recall, she got injured after that stage accident in December of last year, and she hasn't done any official music career things since that accident, but we finally got to see her. And she is officially going to return to Red Velvet promotional activities uh, as long as they are not ones that will excessively strain her. So when they're not too strenuous, she will be back with Red Velvet now that she's pretty much done recuperating or on the outs. You know, she's getting so much better now. And so that is great to hear. It was great to see her in the promo pics for Red Velvet's new single, which is a cover they are doing for to celebrate Boa's 20th anniversary as a star. So very exciting and I'm very I very much miss the seeing all the Red Velvet members together. So very excited to see that happen with new promo. Uh, speaking of SM Entertainment artists, Crystal has been with the company for 10 years, but it looks like her contract is expiring now at the end of August and there are conflicting reports. Some reports make it sound like she's in serious talks with other agencies, particularly more acting-focused agencies. But then there are other reports that she's still in talks with SM Entertainment mainly, and SM Entertainment's own statement claims they uh, are in talks with her. And so they want to insist that, like, don't snatch her up other agencies. We still want to sign her to our company. So I don't know what's going on with that, but her contract ends at the end of August, and we'll see what happens with that. In other news related to shakeups at K-pop companies, Unquan from B2B has joined the board of directors at Cube Entertainment. He's actually the first artist from Cube Entertainment to do so, and he's joining this new board of directors on a subcommittee that is focused on artist protection. Not sure what that entails, the details are not super uh, transparent, but that sounds like a great idea to have an artist protection subcommittee headed by someone who's actually know who actually knows what it's like to be a in a K-pop group for so long and be in the K-pop world for so long as a performer. And speaking of that agency, Cube Entertainment's co-founder plans to set up a new agency now. So Basically, this is going to be called S2 Entertainment, and he said in a statement, quote, I will not stop in my efforts to globalize K-pop. So the co-founder of Cube Entertainment, which is home to Pentagon, G-Idol, etc., he plans to globalize K-pop more. He wants to take a, be known for that, and so that's an interesting mission for him to be declaring now. 
So we'll, we'll see um, if he becomes a, a new face of making K-pop more global. G-Idol is certainly making strides, and we're gonna go on a world tour if it weren't for COVID this year, so he may have already been actually becoming more prominent in terms of name recognition for people responsible for the Hallyu wave worldwide, but we'll see, we'll see what happens with that. Some military updates. Hanbin of Vix officially joined the military August 18th, and Baron from VAV is going to enlist September 7th. Other news, Island. So this is, this is interesting. So I was, while deciding what news stories to discuss or mention during my show, I was looking into this Island issue at the show Island when a staff member tested positive for COVID-19. But I had, at, right after I thought I understood the situation, then suddenly it changed before. So, like, this whole situation and the updates I would have added in future episodes about the situation all happened within a week. So, this was a blur of a, of a headline. But basically what happened that I didn't even have time to ever get into. Um, so, here are all the developments at once in the story. So, Island was filming, but... It was confirmed that a cleaning crew member tested positive for COVID-19, so the whole facility basically shut down and filming was put on hold indefinitely while they figured out next steps, really. The cleaning staff member had been in the building alone one day, and he had been wearing a mask as he cleaned. So there, that's better than it could have been, for sure. And so the facility went underwent a deep clean. Everyone had to get tested. And so the show's future was really up in the air, especially because there was a lot of writing on this because, I, I mean, of course they want to put the health of everyone first, but I'm sure it was, frankly, um, some financial strain and stress that came with the decision to put this production on hold because they had just uh, decided not to go through Road to Kingdom airing this year, and instead Island was going to be a huge focus of fall programming. So if they had to delay Island filming, um, thanks to cutting Road to Kingdom out of their schedule this year, that was a bigger deal than ever for them at this time. So anyway, but um, regardless of the reason, that is what happened. And then they're already back to filming because... After they all got tested, they've all, it sounds like they've all tested negative, all the casting crew, and then the ones that have not gotten their test results back yet are just not allowed back on set for now. So within a week, this story developed from, we don't know what the future of the show is, to never mind, we're back to work, um, thanks to quick testing. And so that uh, cleaning crew member is obviously no longer there, and the people who don't know if they're positive or negative yet for COVID are not allowed on set. So just the ne people who tested negative, cast and crew, it doesn't sound like full production has ramped up again, but some of it has. So I don't know if that will affect the release schedule, probably not by much because this whole, this whole, uh, drama was very, was very quick, um, and quickly resolved. So probably won't affect the scheduling much, but that's the latest. There was a scare, but it sounds like they're, uh, back to work. So in news that doesn't seem K-pop related, but who knows, um, hopefully some performers that are announced are K-pop stars. So, let's talk about the BBMAs for a second. It was going to be months earlier, but now it is has been moved to October 14th. So, what happens by then, and if it's, a, if it's virtually just everyone performing from home or whatever, 
uh, unclear, but the BBMAs does have a new date, so it's still happening in some way, shape, or form, and I'm hoping that uh, especially BTS, but other K-pop groups get a moment there this year. Some big wedding news. Giant Pink is getting married in a private ceremony to someone who's not famous. Um, so she's going to keep it private, but she did reveal that is what's happening September 13th. And Feistar's Jay will be getting married October 9th, also in a private ceremony to a non-celebrity, just in front of some close family and friends. So congrats to the both of them. In rookie group news, Sun Yi has left the girl group Wu Ah. Envy Entertainment revealed in a statement that Song Yi has chosen to leave the group, and the group will proceed going forward with just five members. Jessun from Girls Alert was filming a web drama in Seoul when she showed signs of intestinal inflammation and was rushed to the ER. So fingers crossed for a speedy recovery for her. That's the latest on her condition that I can share. Big Hero 6, in much better news, um, Big Hero 6, the TV show that is on Disney XD, you could also watch it on Disney Now, has a season premiere coming up, and Jay from Day 6 will be a guest star. Day 6 on Big Hero 6? Meant to be. And so Jay will be the guest on September 21st. You can watch September 21st, 7.30 Eastern Time. So Chicago time, that is 6.30, I believe. So make sure to check that out next month. He's going to voice twin characters Taka and Yuka. So double the double the J. <laughs> uh, double the J and double the 6. Big Hero 6, Day 6. Uh, there's a joke in there somewhere. So the episode description, it's to me, it doesn't make much sense, but I guess you have to watch the show to get it. Um, this team will, quote, face off against the Noodle Burger Boy and his team of evil mascot robots. So that sounds very Jay. Um, so that is all I'll say. It will be like watching Jay stream on Twitch or something, but in cartoon TV show form. So that's something to look forward to. And yeah, not the news I expected to hear this week. Jisoo from Blackpink has a new acting role. She's had a few before, but this is her first starring role. It's going to be in a drama called Snowdrop, although the name is tentative. But it's a drama that is coming up, potentially called Snowdrop. And the big, a big part of this news is the fact that it is coming to you from the producer and screenwriter of Sky Castle, the instant classic of K-dramas. So that's it's going to be great. It's going to be great high quality content. Very excited for Jisoo. All right. And if you didn't get the chance to catch Big Hit Entertainment's big corporate briefing, I caught it for you. So here are the updates. So I'm saving you a lot of time and condensing what was said. There were a lot, a lot, a lot of updates and technical um, breakdowns of Big Hit Entertainment status financially, schedule-wise, all of that. But here are the biggest takeaways. So, In the Soup has premiered, so they announced the premiere date for BTS's latest reality show season that is going to end up with eight episodes, each episode 60 to 80 minutes long, so lots of hours worth of content. August 25th is when the Notes 2 is released, the next Notes Saga BTS uh, story. Um, the new BTS album that they're working on is going to be released this year in the last quarter of the year. So that's October to December time frame. So we may get a BTS, should we get a BTS Halloween album when or Christmas album? When do we want this album? I'm very curious. Let me know your thoughts because part of me knows that we won't have a Halloween this year due to COVID. So maybe we want a fun treat 
um, from BTS that are on Halloween. We'll see. I'm I'm debating when I want them to release it to make it extra special. Anyway, and Big Hit Entertainment also revealed for the rest of the year the album plans. TXT has an album coming sometime this fall, and New East has a Japanese album coming in October. Also, there are plans for new groups in the works. Big Hit Entertainment will debut a girl group in 2021. They will also debut a boy group in 2022. And the boy group formed in during the reality show Island is separate. So that's a separate boy group that will debut sometime later this year. So this year we get another boy group, then 2021 a girl group from them, and 2022 another boy group from them. Side note about the girl group. This is going to be part of their subsidiary label Source Music, and this was the one formed from their global audition search. So girls from 16 cities got to audition, and they tease that it's going to be people from a variety of locations and backgrounds and who speak different languages. So really a global group they are forming. Very curious how that turns out, especially because Big Hit Entertainment's history with girl groups is um, pretty non-existent except for glam but they were very short-lived so it'll be interesting how this um how this goes i think it'll be more successful than glam was for big hit but we'll see in terms of financial status big hit is really bringing in the dough despite the pandemic causing the setback of bts's world tour they really just in, in terms of album sales continue to to reign in that regard so they brought in in the first half of 2020 248 million dollars USD so in United States dollar amount 248 million and they earned approximately 42 million in operating profits so that was over a 27% rise from their operating profit earnings in 2019 they continue to just basically financially be on the rise is what it means and almost a 50% profit rise overall from 2019 Album sales, needless to say, from them warded off any potential losses they might have gotten from the pandemic. So, um, there, so there were a lot of other things in terms of not just the schedule and finances that were discussed, but really quickly, um, they talked about just acknowledging and appreciating and pointing out achievements of their groups, especially BTS and their graduation, YouTube graduation ceremony speech and other milestones they've had lately in their career. They also teased that Tiny Tan cartoon uh, products and more uh, sponsorship partnerships and whatnot are in the works. So first was, of course, Downey, but just stay tuned because more unexpected collaborations between random products and Tiny Tan are probably coming in the works. They also said a replacement game for Superstar BTS is on the way, so although that game was discontinued, a similar rhythm game is going to come out soon. It's being prepared by their subsidiary Superb. The game description is very intriguing. It says, quote, it's a sandbox game where users can create their own stories. Users create different stories, share them, and freely communicate with each other. So it sounds like the new game is going to be basically like a sims type situation meets like a group chat meets like i don't even know but it's it's really it sounds like it's going to be a way to interact with other fans as well as create your own universe which is basically what the bts storyline is all about is getting to add your own elements to the universe they've created really for us so very on brand of them other big bts news 
They just reached 28 million Twitter followers. Super, super exciting. And I just want to acknowledge, thank you, J-Hope, because J-Hope just donated 100 million won, which is like 84,000-something dollars United States currency to Green Umbrella Children's Foundation. It's a place that is helping low-income families who are struggling during the pandemic. So no particular reason, just donated 100 million won to them, which is wonderful to hear. Some big news in the world of stat updates, and then I'm done and I will move on, I promise, with the news. So stat updates, Blackpink surpassed Eminem now to be the fourth most subscribed to musical act on YouTube. Wanho's solo debut reached number one on iTunes in 16 countries. It also entered the top 10 in 14 separate countries. Wanho's using Losing You music video reached 1 million views very quickly. Last I checked, it was around 1 million. Momoland's BAM music video reached 200 million, and their Boom Boom video reached 450 million. Still so iconic. Twice the Signal music video has reached 250 million. Itzy's Not Shy video and EP have been doing really well, and I'm going to review them and talk about those on the other episode today. But just real quickly, their EP Not Shy released uh, or surpassed 200,000 pre-orders, and they reached 10 million views on their Not Shy video in just 18 hours of its release. So they continue to be such super rookies, and we love to see it. All right, and we are going to talk now about... A lot more to do with Taiwan and other countries and how they are handling live music right now and live performances and how Taiwan was able to go back to an arena show. So how did that unfold? We will find out after this message. There continues to be a need for concerts to stay online or in some other format that does not involve a giant crowd gathering together. And so in terms of K-pop upcoming concerts, Get out a pen and paper if you want to prepare for and know when you can tune into these latest online shows that have been announced. First of all, WM Entertainment has announced that they are having a WM Entertainment themed concert event. So that will be including Oh My Girl, On Off, and B1A4. That will be September 4th. So WM Entertainment is September 4th. Golden Child is going to have one through My Music Taste September 13th at 3 p.m. Korean time. So I believe that's 1 a.m. Chicago time. So not ideal, but it is what it is. Starship Entertainment is having what seemed like a Starship Entertainment specific lineup, but then the boys was also added to the lineup. So who knows what the plan is. Maybe they'll add more non-Starship artists. I don't know. But anyway, V Live will have this event for Starship artists plus the boys. You could also see then Monsta X, Cravity, and WJSN. It's called the Every On Worldwide Live event. Get it every on everyone. Anyway, so this one will be August 29th at 7 p.m. Korean time, which is um, Chicago time, that would be 5 a.m., so a little better than the 1 a.m. show. It will cost you, it's a VLive Plus thing, so it'll cost you 1,400 coins, and you can replay it, but you won't get a video-on-demand download, so you won't be able to download the show after purchasing it like you can with some options, but you can watch a replay of it on September 5th, so keep that in mind as well. There is a new online music festival called the Overpass Online Music Festival. It is focused on overall, not just K-pop, but just 
Asian artists and it's a really great way for them to show their diversity in music and style and it's a very exciting new festival. It was set to be actually a new festival in person in California this year but of course that can't happen anymore but you can check it out online now for $8 a ticket. You could also spend $90 if you want the merch bundle with that ticket and this will be September 26th and by the way some of your proceeds from your purchase will go to Project Hope which has nothing to do with me, but I like the name they chose. It's great. It's it's a Project Hope is an initiative that is addressing crises and like the pandemic and really just global global aid. So it's a really great cause you can donate to and support Asian artists in all of their variety and their skill and everything. So it's just a great opportunity and it's going to be very exciting to see. Um, in terms of K-pop acts on the lineup, you can check out Baekhyun from XO, Mino from Winner, and many more. It really sounds like it's focused intentionally on R&B slash hip-hop vibes, so keep that in mind. It's kind of like 88 Rising Festival, a little in that way, so great stuff to expect. And each artist is set to get what they would typically get at a music festival, which is like 20 to 30 minutes of a set, so a great time to meet and introduce yourself to a ton of new artists who you may have not been familiar with before. So now when it comes to offline, there are two main things I want to share and discuss. One of them being what some companies have decided to do is try go and go back to the days of yore where there was a promenade theater. And the term promenade theater basically referred to outdoor plays where people in the audience physically move and follow the drama. So the, the play is acted out not necessarily on just one stage, but the play moves. It's not static. It, the settings do not switch because people switch the props on stage. The setting switches because the actors physically move and walk over to the next area where they will perform. So it's a walking show essentially where you follow, you literally follow the show. So Promenade Theater is making a comeback because the virus spreads a lot more, it, it has a lot harder of a time spreading outdoors. So a lot more events are going outdoors because the more time you can be outdoors for big crowded events, the safer it is. And so that's what's been happening lately. People are going out there to enjoy their summer day in the USA while they, and probably in other countries too, are doing this now where they just follow the action. And so I think it's a very cool, clever idea, you know, and anything that can help uh, theater people really just get to shine and show their talent right now when their, their passion for theater has to be pushed aside a bit. So anything to let them still perform, you know, and keep their, their theaters funded. So this is a great idea, and I hope people take advantage and go see that kind of thing if they can. So, but the traditional concert route is still taken by some, and I'm not just talking about the people that I shame on the show for having shows that violate all social distancing and masks requirements and all of the things that are supposed to help us keep this virus under control in the USA, but... There are actually other countries that have gotten a hold of the virus so well and contain it so well that they are able to do that. We don't get to do that until we do the work is what I'm saying, people. So I'll shame the USA artists who are doing it because we it's not safe. But in other countries, they've really tackled this virus and they can go ahead and do this now, I guess. So anyway, one of those countries being Taiwan. And so Taiwan is a t basically went back to a 10,000 see arena concert and so 
Taiwan really actually so far as of recording time they've recorded they've reported seven virus deaths. So the USA we have about 170,000 deaths right now. Um Taiwan had seven. Just seven. No zeros. So yeah, they've re they really got this. They really got this. They did have 479 cases as of recording time, but still way 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 less than a lot of other countries. And so anyway, it was cleared in by the health department for them to go ahead with this arena show. So it wasn't violating a law or anything. And so Eric Chu performed on August 8th there. And masks were required, but they did fill up the arena. There's still that hunger for shows. People weren't apparently too nervous to go. Um, they even made mask wearing kind of fun, where during the show he would say things like, let's prove you can still scream or sing this song with a mask on, and they'd all do it. Everyone seemed to just wear them the whole time without taking them off. He even picked a random lottery number and the f lucky fan whose number got picked got to win a signed mask from him that he gave he gave her and helped her put on on stage so uh they really tried to make mask wearing fun for the show and it seemed to work fans really also cooperated with health protocols at this show where they not only wore masks but they had their temperatures checked at the door and they also gave their id information for future contact tracing purposes if need be. So they all opted in to be a part of contact contact tracing if that need should arise. Although no reported cases from that show have been reported as of recording time. So, you know, mask wearing is really incredible how effective that can be alone. So they really all did that and it looks like an outbreak has not happened from that show. So the hunger for the show was clear, so across four shows that he did there, he sold 42,000 tickets in just 15 minutes since the tour went on sale. 42,000 tickets in 15 minutes, huge presence there. So Eric Chu did this show as he normally did. There are two things about it I find really funny. One is that the tour is the How Have You Been tour, and with his song title being How Have You Been, and I just think the How Have You Been tour is kind of the best name for a tour ever in 2020, because that is a question we all need to ask each other a lot these days. Second thing I find very interesting is that it's not that he just had this arena show where everyone was packed together like there's not a pandemic in the world still, um, but it was so normal in terms of the fan idol interaction, where he, he gave crowd members high fives, he got up close to them, he grabbed their phones to take selfies. It was really interactive still. And so it was it was a hopeful sight. And so I hope that um, images of those types of concerts can become normal again in the USA once we get a hold of this thing. But those are the latest developments in the world of live music these days. And that concludes the quarantine segment of the show. Let's talk about what I've noticed lately. So here's the trend I've been wanting to talk about because I'm just very curious if others have noticed this trend too and I think it says a lot about our cultural moment. So I've noticed that lately it seems like and not just lately in, due to the pandemic but even like just the past few years there's been this new trend with pop stars and their fans where the the feedback loop is stronger. The idle responses to their fans' requests and desires is expanded. There's a lot more of that reciprocation between fans and idols. So, for example, 
first of all, stars seem to be responding to an artist release, previously unreleased tracks when fans demanded. So, I mean, just the other day, Mariah Carey announced she's releasing some previously unreleased older tracks of hers next month. And so, um, that was probably partly due to fan demand and discussion online about, man, I wish that song had gotten an official release, or I wish that song had gotten an official release. And, I mean, Britney Spears earlier this year dropped Moodering, which was a long-anticipated release in, with the remixes. And due to just fan chatter and excitement about her music continuously, she rewarded us with a Redone Glory album cover artwork. So little details like that just that are acknowledging that the fans' comments are being taken seriously and making actual changes in artists' Uh, decisions. Like Lady Gaga, her song Stupid Love leaked online early and fans were so excited about it and kept talking about please release the studio version, please release the studio version, and then she just did. It's like sure why not, it already leaked, go with the flow with it instead of being mad about it. And similarly there are stars like Carly Rae Jepsen who have are releasing full b-side only EPs of more content for fans. So really it's just making me think about how well, okay, I'll get to my bottom line later here, but similarly, it seems like the fan discourse online is being heard by these artists through their album titles as well. For example, Little Mix's latest full album was called LM5, and it's become a thing on Twitter especially where people just call an album that before it's titled, like when we were waiting for the next Selena album, it was SG5 or whatever. Um, when waiting for a new Ariana Grande album, it's AG5 or whatever, whatever number you're on with their initials. And so waiting for Little Mix's fifth album, everyone was just like, where's LM5? And now Little Mix just decided to name their full album LM5 instead of finding a new name for it. And yeah, I mean, I guess you could argue it was just a lazy choice, but I really think it was kind of like a little nod and a wink to fan discourse. Similarly, Rihanna has been jokingly referring to her own album as R9 as we wait for it. So she knows that people are calling it R9 and she's been saying that a lot. And then even jokingly saying in interviews, like maybe I'll just call it R9, that'll be the name of it. So that's a real thing that might happen, honestly. I don't think she's fully just joking. Similarly, fan art has been utilized and incorporated by these artists more and more. Katy Perry just recently decided, after seeing fan art online of her song Smile, that is really well done and impressive and looks official, she decided to really make it official. So one of the alternate album cover arts that you can purchase of her next album includes this fan's cover art as the main image. Similarly, Miley Cyrus the other day just teased some fan art designs on black t-shirts put fan art on the black t-shirts and was wondering should I make these official t-shirts in my merch collection? And of course we've talked a lot about Charlie XCX and how she's solicited fan contributions artwork-wise to compile into her album booklet officially for how I'm feeling now. So that continues to happen. Fan art continues to be seen and reposted and next level, uh, not just reposted but then taken to the next level with artists making it official merch and stuff like that. Similarly, artists are changing their language and how they talk online in response to fans. Sunmi, for example, always jokes about how she uh, is learning to say things like YOLO, but not like, you know, proper English or whatever you want to call it, um, because the fans online just talk to her in like fandom slang sometimes. And so she's kind of learning through fans online. And I'm sure other artists are the same way where they learn of 
the hip lingo or whatever by um I don't I can't believe I just said hip lingo but whatever they're learning the words of the week with um by listening to their fans online there's of course all the social media reply sessions and Instagram lives and all these other ways that you get a window into their lives and you get to do something reciprocal that's why I've talked about on the show before how TikTok is so big because it is all about what this era is where it's it's, it's very interactive, the apps and the ways that you engage with artist material. It's not passively watching TV or something. You're actively commenting on it on a YouTube video or you're reposting it somewhere and sharing clips of it or you're editing and dubbing and making goofy edits with their, the original footage or you're doing a dance challenge to it on TikTok. It's that trend of passing it on and adding your own touch to it that is so popular these days. And so... I noticed that more and more happening, and on other apps as well, and as and artists really let you in. They've been more forthcoming, it seems, in recent years with letting you see the behind the scenes of what they do and how they live authentically. And you know, for example, with BTS, they had that V Live not too long ago where we got to basically sit in on their album planning meeting and what they decided to do concept wise. So it feels very intimate and special when you get to feel like you're having the conversation with them. And so that seems to be happening a lot. And of course, they egg on bigger trends as well. Luna has embraced the Stan Luna movement that accidentally started becoming a thing online. And they've they've acknowledged it and they're okay with it. They seem to enjoy it. There's Ace, who people love standing Wow Sun and other ships in Ace. And so they just go with whoever we ship together in Ace. They're like, yes, we love Wow Sun too. They'll actually tweet stuff like that back to us. So um, just totally um, acknowledging and letting fans... Fans uh, create their own movements, create their own uh, trending topics, and it's really fun to watch. So, also, I mean, even bigger things have been happening lately, with um, real change happening when fans come together online to make it happen. For example, there was the Save Shadowhunters campaign, where the TV show Shadowhunters, which has quite a passionate fan base, really advocated online for a long period of time to get the show renewed. A similar movement with One Day at a Time happened, with the show Chuck that was a cult classic among a very a kind of small but passionate group of fans. There, This continues to happen, um, we're t- and not just with TV show fans, but with K-pop fans as well, like Monster X, for example, how they ended up on We Bear Bears, the Cartoon Network show. They got to have a Monster X episode of We Bear Bears. It all started thanks to fan talk online, people being like, they would be a great fit for that show, and they made it happen for us. And, you know, that continues to happen. Like, I am just talked about in his latest interview with Dazed, um, how his El Hay collabs started coming out. It's because he mentioned liking El Hay's music on a live stream, and fans took that live stream comment, re-uploaded it all over the place. Then word got around eventually to El Hay, and they linked up and started working together. And I'm sure that's happened countless other times as well, because uh, word gets around. When an artist says they want to collab with so-and-so, fans will spread that word and maybe reach out to so-and-so indirectly. So a lot of networking and the liaison between artists and their collaborators comes thanks to fans and what they want to see. There are other things that have happened in the K-pop world, especially like with the fandom for IOI coming together to demand a reunion, which we almost got. They actually did take fans, uh, requests and assistance on a reunion seriously we were going to get an ioi reunion in fall of 2019 but that it it did it, it fell apart and i'm still upset about that but it's still very cool to think about that the fan um 
passion was so immense that they really heard heard it so so much and had so much faith in the the authenticity of that level of passion that they were willing to put time and resources into making a reunion happen for us you know and even with the one direction fandom too i'm sure they um partly due to the continued fan presence of directioners online realized we should do something special for their 10-year bandiversary and so on and so on i could go on and on but these are just the latest of a long trend i've seen where fans carry out a conversation and the artist responds to it as opposed to traditionally when artists would just do stuff and then fans react so really it's like the the tables have turned a bit but also it's it's really showing the other side of that feedback loop of who influences who and you know it's not just fans are influenced and inspired by their idols but their idols continuously these days seem to be influenced by their fans and influenced in really concrete ways in making marketing decisions in making uh in making uh, acting decisions and other uh resume decisions really in affecting how much traction of a music video or a song or a tv show gets fan power has really been able to consolidate around these causes more than ever thanks to social media and things like that and a lot of that you passion you see with k-pop fandoms as i'm sure if you're an online a very online person like me i'm sure you've witnessed every day and so it's just been very cool to see because not just it's not just that fans have spread the word more about these artists on social media which has helped of course spread the popularity of k-pop content but that they've helped contribute to the content if that makes sense so it's not just like for example with bts it's not just like oh bts has been uh more popular thanks to people sharing and spreading the word on the internet and all of that it's like also no it's also thanks to fans requesting and voicing uh, appreciation for the way bts wrote this song or the thing they said about that song or the the quote they said that really impacted us in this way or that way and then bts takes that feedback and then uses that to drop easter eggs in future music videos or to release certain album artwork with a certain aesthetic that fans seem to appreciate more or through uh changing their nickname or giving them you know nickname like mr worldwide handsome jin um things like that i mean it's really an idol's image tends to be written about in profiles and stuff as just an idol's image but i think the variable of how fans shaped their image or contributed to how they've evolved as an artist is really interesting and worth pointing out as well really basically there are two two three main conclusions that i take away from what i'm trying to say one is that trl was way ahead of its time If you don't remember TRL was an MTV show. It did get revived a, a few years ago, I believe. Um but the original TRL was super super popular. I'm not sure how popular the new reboot whatever was, but um anyway, so TRL was way ahead of its time. It was the original fan input show with uh in terms of fans actually went, you know, would crowd time square and hold up their signs to get in the camera shot and to show their love for their artist they really helped propel i want it that way to um get the fame and the long lasting conversation that it got because they kept advocating every week for it to be on this music countdown chart that TRL um has and so the video countdown chart kept i want it way, i want it that way 
in the public discussion and, you know, kept the attention on it for so long. Actually, so long that eventually it got quietly cut out of the options for voting by the show's producers because it had just been so many weeks and they were like, enough already. So they eventually had to remove it from the countdown because fans had demanded it for so long it got tiring for them. So, um, but that just shows the passion, the continuous passion of fans um, dating back to uh, older boy bands. And so, number one, I think, is just TRL is ahead of its time, because that was like the OG version of what we have today in terms of fan activity. The second thing, um, the second main takeaway here, I think, is that BTS's unprecedented success is really in part due to that online activity and the inside look at their life. And also other K-pop acts, really, I just think they're all particularly poised to do well in today's media environment because of that interaction and the constant life updates they give us, whether it's their YouTube vlogs or it's a V Live conversation, it's the fact that they kind of talk to us as if we're just FaceTiming. Um, and so they're particularly, particularly poised to do well in this era because the fan feedback they receive so willingly and constantly. It's the constant uploads and the constant part of your daily life that it would feel like something's missing if they weren't uploading something for even just a few days. And so I just find that the whole concept very interesting about how it's not just stars that influence idols anymore, it's totally also reversed as well. And so it's all, like, it's so interesting, these transactions between fan ideas and then what artists do with those ideas. And that is just something that I will find very interesting to pay more attention to. And the third takeaway, so first takeaway is that T-Roll was ahead of its time. Second takeaway is really that K-pop groups are really, um, really, uh, it, they're really made for this era of social media activity. They're really, their whole way of bonding with fans is just built around the the internet because a lot of us are not in the same country as them. And so this is an era in the world that they are just, you know, destined to thrive in. The second thing is that it shows the power of fandom culture and the internet and the ability of fans to mobilize for actual concrete action. So I just never want to want anyone to underestimate the power and passion of fandoms because they really do shape everything from the music charts to what people watch on award shows to the amount of media coverage something gets. Um, so much of our pop culture history and any oral history of pop culture, you know, is going to be, would have been totally different and ended up totally different if fans had not put in the work, really, to promote their faves. So it's very interesting, like, what would happen if these fandoms had never helped their artists? I mean, pop culture history would be so different. And so it's really interesting to think about that impact. I will talk about this a lot more in upcoming episodes of How to Stand, my side series, Shameless Plug. So check out, if you subscribe to 17 Karat K-Pop, you'll get How to Stand episodes on the same feed every Sunday. So stay tuned for that because in upcoming episodes, as well as in the past few episodes, I, I touch on this power of fandoms and more about the culture and the history of fandoms and whatnot. So stay tuned for more about that. But this is kind of just an intro to that, as well as just my thoughts that I've been thinking lately about how much we can't underestimate fandoms, basically. And so it's not just fun and immersive for the fans, but it's really shaping whole communities and genres and everything. And 
it really got me thinking about something that I discussed on my last episode of How to Stand, which is called Cyberdog and Hello Kitty, if you're interested. And it talks about places that are physical, like pop-up shops and the like. We've seen those spring up a lot in the past few years from the, B- the House of BTS to Britney Spears' uh, music video pop-up shop experience to the Friends set to the uh, Saved by the Bell diner to the Stranger Things bar. Like, all these different pop-up sets, you can feel like you're living in a world that you saw in... And you can recreate a world from a music video or from a TV show that you loved. And so you basically get to live out a pop culture dream of yours and make it come to life. And it's really... It's interesting how the internet is changing that and allowing that to happen, spread the word about those things happening. And really just what I'm trying to say is that um, what can't be underestimated about digital fandoms is how much they have an impact outside of the internet. It's not just the internet and its own thing. It's really making, it makes actual changes in the physical world, if that makes sense. Because it affects what people do. And I just think, I'm bringing a BTS a lot today, not just because I'm excited for the comeback, but because of... um, of the fact that they're a great example of all of this because think about the ways they have convinced fans to do things in the physical world. You know, Namjoon always posts pictures of things he's seen at art museums that probably convinces fans to go out and go to those same museums or just even go and appreciate artwork more or go out and see nature more or go out and go to those different art exhibits that were around the world for that project last year. Their latest art project is teaming up with 29 other artists from around the globe. And there's this Swiss art curator called Hans Ulrich Obrist who started this project. It's called Do It, and basically it's all about um, different artists leaving fans' um, instructions to do artwork. And then you can post your artwork creations online. More information at the Serpentine Gallery's uh, Instagram Serpentine UK on Instagram and then you could also check out serpentinegalleries.org for more info but anyway the point being that um, they're causing fans to actually do things it's not just doing things online but actually like in the physical world they're taking on new hobbies they're taking on these art project challenges they're making fan art that their artists might actually end up using someday they're doing things you know it's so much more than talk it's actually doing things that are uh, shaping their world as well as their artist world, and I just find that very, very cool to be watching. And it's especially interesting to see this trend during a pandemic when the facade, any sense of a, it's being a facade or just not authentic as we watch these artists on live streams and whatnot, is kind of going away because we're all now, uh, we're all now, ex- it's normalized, the intimacy of an Instagram live session or a YouTube stream, if that makes sense. It's not just some weird thing that happens every once in a while. It's just such a constant part of our lives now, thanks to the pandemic especially. So to just, um, I just think K-pop is really poised for this moment and meeting the moment because it's all about those moments that maybe once were considered whatever or, you know, just some internet thing that happens or some little marginalized thing that happens online or, you know, just a sub-community thing or just not a normalized thing. Um, but it's kind of what mainstream media has become these days because it's all online, it's all interacting with people without being in the same room or maybe even in the same country as them. So basically, I guess the globalization of culture um, is really on full display right now in, in, in a great light. 
So just something I've really been thinking about lately as I watched all these different um, fans get this next level recognition from their faves, which is really cool to see. And so it, um, I mean, it's happening here, right? I uh, took my uh, love for Seventeen and turned it into a podcast. And yeah, I'm sorry. I keep saying I need to talk about Seventeen more because I really do. Um, but you know, it's really interesting um, that that I was able to make a whole show um, while thinking about wanting to do something more to show love for Seventeen and my other favorite groups. So it's just very cool. Like I said, how um, you can actually do. Th- you know, people are actually taking actions that affect their their daily lives through fandom. So just. Uh, you know, never um, degrade who someone's a fan of because that may really be leading them towards even a, even a career goal or a, a pa- another passion project of theirs that's, that they discover in themselves after they pick up that pen or that paintbrush. So it's just very cool to see the positive influences idols and fans are having on each other constantly. So just some a trend to keep an eye out for that I find very interesting. Alright, that is it for today. I will see you next week with more from 17 Karat K-Pop. And check out the next episode of How to Stand out this Sunday. See you then.